welcome to Community. My name is Jackie Arnold, founder of I Heart My Work and the I Heart My Community podcast and executive coach. Each week, I will be interviewing people within our community as well as experts in other areas to support our community and business leaders of Gray Bruce and beyond to create strong communities where everyone feels included and where we love to live and thrive. Today, I welcome Kim Wolf, Senior Manufacturing Executive with more than 30 years experience in supply chain operations, engineering, leadership development, and coaching. For our local listeners, Kim resides in Huron-Perth and cottages right here in Bruce County. With a mechanical engineering background, a STEM female leader, Kim has navigated the world of manufacturing in what some would call a man's world, to hold manufacturing leadership and plant manager roles in familiar household names like EverReady Batteries, Pepperidge Farms, the Campbell Soup Company right in Listowel, and the original Cakery. Today we're going to talk about how to rise above the gender challenges and stereotypes. We will explore how we hold ourselves back and how to encourage the women and men in our lives to pursue their dreams outside traditional roles. I'm so delighted to welcome you today, Kim. Thank you so much, Jackie. I'm so happy that you and I have connected and uh, we're able to, uh, to do this today. I've been really looking forward to it. Me too. Me too. We had such a great uh, pre-chat earlier and um, I think that a lot of people are going to get a lot of great learning from this. So we're really grateful for you to be here today. Um, and so your career path is just what strikes me so interesting. Um, and you decided to be a mechanical engineer. And so when you think way back when that was, what was the vision that you had for yourself in that career? Well, you know, I originally, I grew up uh, in rural Pennsylvania, uh, and I used to show horses. And so um, I really wanted to be an equestrian teacher. That was kind of where I wanted to go. I grew up on a farm, and, and I wanted to spend my life around horses. Um, but when I started really looking at the practicalities of that, um, I, I really decided that I needed to do something that I could support my family if I needed to. Um, my parents had been divorced. My mother um, had three children, went back to school um, during the day at a college that was two hours away uh, to nursing school, and then also worked nights as a nurse's aide. And in addition to all of that, she still continued to pack our lunches and sew our Halloween costumes and all of those things. And I saw um, how hard she had to work um, to be able to support the family. Mm -hmm. And I think when it came time for me to really make a commitment in university about what I wanted to do, that really stuck with me. Mm -hmm. um, you know, watching her struggles and how exhausted that she was uh, to support her family. So I wanted to pick something that uh, I knew I could support my family if I needed to. Um, and um, so engineering came up uh, I have to say, when I first started in university, I was in chemical engineering for a couple of, of semesters, loved chemistry in high school, and I thought that would be perfect. It wasn't so perfect. <laughs> so, and then my third semester, I started in electrical engineering. That was okay, but I found when I started exploring mechanical engineering in my fourth semester, that was really what made a lot of sense to me. Um, I was a person that needed to be able to see 
what it was that I was working on to see where the problems were. Mm -hmm. Chemical and electrical, I couldn't necessarily see it. There were things happening, you know, chemical reactions and electricity and those kind of things that I couldn't see. But once I could see gears moving and I could see sprockets moving and I could see forces at work, um, it all just clicked into place for me. And so um, I think because I was a logical thinker all of my life, uh -huh. I certainly was not the girl that was down at the workshop working on lawnmowers, you know, with, <laughs> with my dad or anything. Um, I, you know, you hear that story sometimes of, uh, of engineers when they were growing up. That wasn't really me. But what I did like is that methodical method of thinking through a problem, you know, I, and I, that problem solving yeah. uh, strategy um, that that is really what appealed to me about mechanical engineering. And I knew I could make a good living doing it. And it, that was, mm. it was one of the best choices of my life, but that's how I got to that to that place. Wow. I mean, just love the story. Just watching, you know, just want to just acknowledge the watching your mom and, and watch her go back to school, watch her be this lifelong learner and sounds like really resilient. And so you had this, you know, amazing role model to look up to of, of, you know, what you could do, but then also how you want your life to be different. Um, and interesting, you know, when you talk about that logical process, it looks like you applied that to your forward thinking in life. What is this going to look like for me? How, what would logically make sense? But then also, what do I love to do? What do I like to do? I mean, that takes a lot of courage along the way to shift from one program to another program to find the one um, that you could see yourself in. Yeah, it, it certainly was a time I, I think I was a person when I was and I still am that I I'm on my path and I stay on the path. Um, there's not <laughs> a lot of deviations off of the path for me. <laughs> so it, it did take a lot for me to realize that chemical engineering, maybe that wasn't it. But again, those first couple of years of engineering school were really general engineering, you know, um, classes and the curriculum was fairly general. Um, mm. So it didn't. Um, it didn't make a lot of, of difference, you know, which, um, which aspect of engineering that I was focusing on at that point earlier on. If I would have waited, um, I think that could have been more of a, a you know, a curveball, but uh, it really, it, it turned out perfectly. And I'm really glad that I was able to make that change and recognize what was working for me at that time and what wasn't. Yeah. And I'm, a, you know, at that time, you, you, there couldn't have been very many women uh, you picked a non-traditional role for yourself. Could have been very many women in a mechanical engineering program. So how many, you know, when you look to your left, look to your right, how many women were were in that program? I remember that we started off with several. Um, I was at Penn State and I went to um, one of their, their premier uh, engineering campuses, which happened to be in Erie, Pennsylvania at the, the Barron College of Penn State. And there was a handful of us at the beginning. I don't remember the exact number, but I do remember on graduation day, I was the only woman left uh, in, in, wow. that, in, that, in that program. And yeah, I, I felt a real sense of pride um, in, in myself. Um, and I have taken that very seriously uh, through my whole career. I have um, gone to visit with Girl Guides and, and Girl Scouts um, and talk about, you know, women pursuing um, other careers that maybe that they hadn't thought of is just saying, 
um, you can be successful, you know, in some of these other things. And I'm so glad to see that nowadays, so many of the, the STEM programs and that type of thing, um, you know, there's so much more interest with, with women and, and even younger girls uh, in pursuing those, those types of careers. And so, um, you know, I, you know, I think we talked about this as the sort of idea that, you know, you being this woman in a man's world, um, how do you see yourself, you know, in that story? You know, I really, I don't really see that a lot. Although most of my career, I was um, either the only woman at the table or one of just a few. Um, I just, I never saw myself that way as being, you know, the woman uh, in, you know, at, at the table or in the company or whatever it was. Um, I think for me, I, I really focused on, I'm a mom, I'm an engineer, I'm a leader. Um, that was really how I described myself, not as the woman that's here. Um, and, and I just, I've never experienced, I've been very fortunate in my career that I've had some wonderful employers that I have worked with. Um, and I think I chose them. I chose those companies that I think valued what, um, had, had values that aligned with mine. And um, I also was very fortunate that they wanted to work with me as well. So I was, I really had some wonderful role models, um, men and women at uh, some of the employers that I worked with. And I, I think having that support um, really emphasized to me that it doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman, if you're good at your job and, and you're aligned to your priorities and your values, that's really what's most important. Well, and I'm really hearing a strong sense of self in everything that you're describing, uh, you know, a, a true valuing of yourself. Um, and I think, you know, in, in the work that I do, a, a lot of the work we do is uncover the value in helping people understand, you know, that they are enough, <laughs> that they, um, they're not negotiating their worth with employers, with situations. It sounds like, you know, you equally came, uh, you know, uh, to the workplace to say, where is the best fit for me? Where do I see myself? And, and interesting, almost like not putting that barrier in your way, you know, like I'm a woman and I won't fit in. And I, uh, you know, all those kinds of things that we can sometimes do even unconsciously, right? A lot of these times we don't consciously think we can't do it, but somewhere, you know, within us, we, we do have that. Um, and it, it sounds like you had a really supportive uh, work cultures that you also worked in. I, I absolutely did. I, um, you know, I can remember when I, my first management role, I was a, a maintenance manager um, and I had about 60 um, mechanics, millwrights, electricians, et cetera, who were in the maintenance department. And I was tested. I mean, there were, I can remember I was tested, but I don't think I was tested because I was a woman. I was tested because I was 27 years old. Um, you know, I, they had never worked with a, a woman before, true, but I think a lot of it was, um, they're going to test all of us, you know, all of us mm. as leaders um, are going to be tested either because of, you know, our age or perhaps our sex or, or be, perhaps because of, you know, we're from another place or whatever it might be. Um, I just looked at that as a challenge to rise up to, um, to say, that's okay, go ahead and test me. Um, and, and, and I'll show you that I'm qualified to be here. I'm, I know the stuff, I know what you're talking about. I can speak the language um, that you're talking about in the maintenance world and uh, we're gonna get, form a good team together. And 
it was amazing to me to see that shift. Um, I didn't get my, my, you know, I didn't get upset about it and say, oh, I'm, I think they're testing me because I'm a woman. I just said, okay, they're testing me. That's just the way it is. And soon enough, they were able to see that I was qualified and, and I knew what I was talking about. And um, we were able to have a good team and, I, and they listened to me as a leader and, and I listened to them because from their experience. And um, so, yeah, I, I, sometimes when I hear people say, oh, I, you know, I don't like to be tested. And I think, I'm not sure that there's any career that, you know, we're not tested at some point or another for some reason or another. Yeah. And, and what that reason so, is, is, is not really relevant. And so when you say tested, what kind of tests were, you know, did you consider tests along the way? So they may say, uh, I, we might be talking about how to fix a, a machine, for example. And um, I might say, you know, it seems like if we did this, that that would, you know, we'd be able to, to, to solve this problem. Yeah, but we tried that a long time ago and that didn't really work. And, you know, so they were, they might've just dug their heels in a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, but once they realized that I wasn't going to pull rank on them and say, look, I'm, this is, this is what we're going to do. I basically went to them and said, you know, I, I, I value the experience that you have. Here's my suggestion. Let's come up with something that works, you know, that we think will work. Um, mm. And so we did. Um, and I, I had a mentor. Uh, he was in the engineering department, my very first engineering job. And again, I was, I was young. And, and I remember he grabbed me by my shoulders. He said, let's walk out to the shop for a minute. And we walked out there and I'd probably been out of school six or eight months, something like that. And he said, I want you to look around at these guys in this uh, maintenance shop. He said, they will either make you or break you. If you value what the experience that they have and you value their opinions and you value what they do, they will go to the ends of the earth for you to make your projects successful. However, if you come in waving your engineering diploma and you say you will do as you're told because I'm the engineer, they will do exactly as you told them to do, knowing full well that it's going to fail. Mm. and they'll just sit by and watch it happen it it's something I still remember and that was in 1989 <laughs> so wow. it's still something that stayed with me so I think respecting um what they brought to the to the plate as well as what I brought to the plate and how could we work together to come up with a viable solution and once they realized that that's how I worked and that was just the type of person that I was um I don't ever remember um you know, not being successful on a project or something. I remember lots of times people coming forward and saying, you know, how about this? Or let's change this. Or have you considered this? And it's like, no, I hadn't thought of that. That's a great idea. Yeah. Let's, let's use that. Let's implement that. Well, it's, you know, what I'm hear hearing in all of this is, and I talk about this a lot in the work that I do, it's, it's like the egos weren't showing their, their, their selves through this, like, you know, in order to build trust, in order to get collaboration, in order to create innovation, in order to solve problems together, we have to see each other. We have to learn from each other. And it sounds like at a very young age, you, you know, stepping into this role, it's, that sounds like something that you, you really embraced, whether you were aware of it or not. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know as though I, I knew it like that at that time. Yeah. Um, I knew I, 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 like I said, that message that I had from that mentor, that mm -hmm. made a world of difference to me. And it was a mind shift that I had because I did have a tendency, I'm very type A, 
um, I really think that a lot of times I've got the answer, just let's go, I've got it. Um, And it was then that I learned that that's not always the best answer. And um, so I think being a leader and having that leadership experience throughout my career really emphasized, um, you know, that lesson that I learned very, very early on. Yeah, like less about being right and more about what do we all think and how do we how do we solve this problem? Um, So what do you think? you know, you being a woman, what, you know, what unique perspective do you think that you brought to those roles? Um, you know, being that female, female leader, what, what, what do you think set you apart as a female leader in that environment? You know, I think being a leader that, um, I wasn't afraid of emotion. Um, Mm -hmm. so for example, if I was having a difficult performance discussion with someone, um, and they got emotional about it, that didn't scare me. Um, I didn't try to shut that down. Uh, and I think that that is probably something that we as females, uh, and I'm, it's totally stereotypical. I don't think that's true for everyone, but mm-hmm. um, in a lot of cases as females, we're able to um, relate to that emotion. We can understand why someone would, would be feeling a certain way. Um, and so I think I was able to, to tap into that when I needed to during those difficult conversations and difficult um, decisions that, that have to be made that we as leaders make. Um, and I'm really proud of myself for that. I, you know, I, I would often during interviews and things, people would say, how do you think that the people who work with you would describe you? And I typically said tough, but fair. And mm-hmm. that was something that I actually wore like a, a badge of honor is that, yes, I'm, I'm tough. And I do have high expectations um, for my team as well as for myself. Um, but I'm also very fair and I treat people the same. Um, I, and I, and I, if someone has a unique um, challenge, that's okay. Um, let's figure out how to work within that, that challenge so that we can make you successful. And I think that that's how my career has evolved in, in people development and leader development um, is, is, is uh, the experience that I've had with that. Yeah. So what, so, so what is tough, but fair look like mind exploring that just a little bit? What does that, what does that look like? Um, I think that sometimes you have to make decisions that you wouldn't normally want to make. Um, there's mm-hmm. some decisions that keep you up at night, um, you know, and, but as a leader, you can't be afraid to make those decisions. Yeah. Um, so I think that's where the toughness comes in. Mm-hmm. I do, unfortunately, I've seen some women who I've worked with who, almost take that, I I think, a little bit too far. Um, They almost become, the toughness becomes almost bitchiness. Mm -hmm. Um, And and that's something that's unfortunate, I think, because I don't think that that those two things have to go together. Um, I think you can be tough and still be compassionate and Mm -hmm. still be empathetic and supportive and all of those things, and yet not be afraid of making, you know, the, the tough calls. Yeah, you know, I I think that in particularly now in this climate that we're in, um, I think a lot of a lot of leaders struggle with this, male and female, around that balance between, um, you know, making decisions. And uh, I don't know if you listen to the Stoics, uh, the Stoic podcast. Um, I I love it, but there was one recently. Um, and it's based on like 2000 year philosophy. And Marcus Aurelius ha- had a quote that he, he says, there are only, as leaders, there are only tough decisions. <laughs> you know, they're the only decisions that rise to the top uh, for leaders to address are tough decisions. Uh-huh. And so 
um, when we can embrace that, we realize that is our job to make the decisions. And sometimes I've noticed, and I think there was a thread of that in what you said, is there's a fear of making it, that decision because maybe people will be upset, they won't like me, they won't. And so there's that fear, uh, you know, and so that can be looking, you know, on the one side is too empathetic, but then there's the overusing of the boldness, right? That can then be aggressive or certain, you said bitchy, you know, it's, it's lack of empathy almost. It's like uh -huh. my way or the highway. And so I think being an agile leader today. Um, and I almost feel like you're a little ahead of your time in that getting that balance, right. Um, it sounds like it really served you well and something that you, that you fostered. Well, and you know, and I think you mentioned earlier about as leaders, not letting our egos get in the way. And I do think mm -hmm. that that is so important um, for if you are confident in what you do, you're confident in the process that you use to arrive at a decision. Uh, you're confident in the way that you treat people. Um, you know, I, I think ego just, it has no place and you don't have mm -hmm. to worry about your ego. Um, you know, if you're good at what you do, uh, male, female, it, does, it doesn't matter. If you're good at what you do, then you will be successful. If your teams are successful, you will be successful. Um, so I, I don't, I've never understood that role that the ego plays in getting uh, involved in, in some of those things that, that you just mentioned. Yeah. Yeah. So what's your advice then for other women or men um, that struggle and we talk about race that struggle with this, this real and perceived, um, you know, barriers that, 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 that we come up against? What do you, what do you, what advice do you have to uh, move through that and, and really uh, achieve what it is that you want? You know, I, I, the glass ceiling thing, I have been fortunate in my career that I've never really experienced that. Um, I, I don't ever feel like I was held back um, because I was a woman or because I was too young or because I was a mother or whatever. I mean, you could come up with a whole lot of reasons. Um, and again, I, I really credit that primarily to the partnerships that I had with my employers. Um, and I think that if, if anyone is in a, in a situation where they feel like they're being overlooked um, or they feel like um, they're not being valued uh, or they feel like the opportunities are not there, then make a change. That is within your power to do that. Um, don't become a victim. Um, make a change and, and go somewhere where you are going to have the, the, you are going to have the opportunities. You are going to feel valued. Um, I just think that that's, uh, that's something that people need to own. Um, and, and that's something that, you know, I have done. Um, and again, I, I, I recognize that I've been fortunate with the employers that I've had. Um, but I just say, own it, take the power. Don't let yeah. someone else or some other organization have that power over you. Yeah. I mean, if you find yourself like, I'd like to do this, but you really have to examine what the but is, um, you know, is it, but you know, they don't value me. And if that's the answer, then, you know, there's always choices. There's a difference between a tough choice <laughs> um, uh, and an easy choice. And sometimes leaving an organization is the tough choice to make, but it is the one that then honors you the most. And it doesn't mean that every job and every company is a match for every person. I mean, there's going to be those um, those types of choices that that make the most sense to you. And companies evolve over time; uh, they grow, or you know, they they're downsizing, uh, they open new locations, they change product lines. There's a lot of changes that companies uh, make 
um, as they continue to evolve. So they may be evolving in a direction that maybe 10 years ago when you were with that company, it worked great. But now the evolution has created um, some distance or created um, you know, something in your mind that you think this just isn't for me anymore. And that's okay. That's all that's right. A, yeah. I mean, relationships aren't meant to last forever uh, in all kinds of settings, including, including in a work environment. Um, if there isn't a fit, then sometimes you have to find a way to, to move on and honor yourself and, and, and the employer. Because I mean, if, if, you're, if there's a mismatch there, then there's going to be some disconnect for both. Um, and I know you're a mom of two. Mm-hmm. Um, so as a mom, then, uh, what have been some of the mom challenges? So being a leader, uh, running a plant uh, has got to have its challenges when you've got kids at home. Uh, Can you share a little bit about that? I I can, yes. Um, My children now are are grown um, and we moved a lot for my career when my kids were young. Um, And I had committed that I would do that um, until they got to high school. For whatever reason in my mind, I just thought when they're young, um, they're a lot more adaptable. But once they get to high school, it's very important for me to let them start and finish in the same school, uh, as long as I have an opportunity to do that. And I recognize there are some people that those they don't have a choice, and I I understand that. Um, so we did we moved several times for opportunities uh, for my career, um, and because of that, both of my boys who are now uh, 26 and 29, um, and they have their own own uh, families, but they can go up in a room full of people and extend their hand back in the days when we were able to shake hands. <laughs> <laughs> Way back when. <laughs> yes, they were able to extend their hand and introduce themselves and make eye contact with people um, because they're used to being the new person. You know, they, they grew up that way. So I think they have a lot of skills that they may not have um, been able to, to get um, because of that movement uh, that we made. But again, in high school, my oldest was in high school and um, we were shutting down a, a plant and I happened to be of Campbell Soup at the time who I loved that company. I absolutely loved working with them. Um, I had been with them for 12 years. Um, and um, so I was going to need to relocate. And this was another one of those tough choices that we talked about before. Um, do I uproot my kids who are now in high school um, or do I leave a company that I love and that I know I've got a, a great future with? And I made the tough call to, uh, to, to leave the company. Um, mm-hmm. And I think about that often. You know, I still stay in touch with a lot of, of colleagues from Campbell Soup and, and um, I, I miss that. But I don't regret the decision at all because I think it was important at, at that point of time for my kids mm-hmm. um, that they have that stability. Um, and so I feel, I feel good about it. I, I feel like that was a, it was a rough time and I was really doing a lot of contemplating and getting as much information as I possibly could to make that logical decision that we engineers like to, like to make. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so, so that was tough. Um, but, you know, I, I think um, by and large, uh, my work strategy, um, because I was a mom, was a little bit different than maybe other people's might be. Um, I worked very hard during the day, but I was not a person who was going to work until six o'clock or seven o'clock mm-hmm. at night. 
I had two kids at home. So I worked mm -hmm. very hard. I oftentimes didn't take coffee breaks. I oftentimes didn't take a lunch break. Um, but I needed to be home to go to hockey games and to, you know, go to, um, you know, a baseball game and, and help my kids with homework and do those things. So um, that was something that was just really important to me. I'm not saying that there were not times. There may have been a project. There may have been a period of time that, you know, you have to put in that time at, at work on something. But that was not my normal um, work schedule. Um, yeah, and, sounds uh, really boundaried, really boundaried. Yes, it, it really was. There were some things that I just wasn't willing to do. And again, uh, during that time period um, that I worked for Pepperidge Farm, Campbell's Soup, uh, that company, um, we had a CEO um, there, Doug Conant, he was the CEO of Campbell's Soup. And he talked a lot about work-life balance. Well, mm -hmm. I had heard other leaders talk about it. And um, I didn't necessarily feel like the message permeated um, the workplace at all the facilities. Um, but that was not true at Campbell's Soup. At Campbell's Soup, Doug Conant lived that message. And I remember hearing examples of him um, prioritizing things with his family. And I thought if he can do it at that level, it's okay for me to do it too. It's okay. And so um, having that uh, support, although he didn't even know he was giving me that support I think at the time. What a he was, gift. He was, yes. yes, he was just living the message. Um, and it that made me feel like this is okay. And I can still be successful and I can still have a great career. Um, and I can yet still be a really good mom. And that's what was really important to me. So again, very fortunate in the, the companies that I worked with. Um, I think if I would have been at a company that didn't necessarily prioritize that way, that it was, I, I may have left, I may have gone to another company that, that did, that was more aligned with those values that I had. So being a mom to me, um, while I was um, a professional, it was, uh, it, it, it really um, wasn't full of a lot of challenges. Once I knew what my boundaries were, I knew what my values were and my priorities, and I just didn't deviate from those. Oh, I just love that. I knew what my values were. I knew what my boundaries were. I knew what mattered to me. And then I didn't devi deviate from that. That is so powerful. <laughs> so yeah, powerful. It, it, it's, it's, it's really done well for me because I, I have a great relationship with my kids, um, you know, to this day. I don't think that they would ever say that, I, that they were sacrificed uh, on behalf of my career. And yet I had, have had a wonderful career, um, you know, and I, I wouldn't change anything about any of those choices that I made. What would you tell your 20 year old self now? You know, I think I would probably tell my 20 year old self that you are going to have a wonderful life and you do not have to have everything planned out right now. It will evolve and there will be little curveballs that'll be thrown to you and it's all going to be okay. And you're just going to love your life. <laughs> you don't need to worry. <laughs> so am I hearing a speckle in there of there might've been some worry along the way you wish you had let go? What What's, what's the truth in that? You know, I think for me, it's, um, I, I am a worrier and I do, as I said before, I like to have everything on the path. And as mm -hmm. soon as I get thrown something that doesn't seem to align with that path, um, sometimes it shakes me a little bit um, mm -hmm. because I think I've got that path defined ahead of yes. time. 
Um, and when I was 20, I thought that there was no deviation at all from that. <laughs> and now I realize that if you could keep your eyes open, I mean, who would have ever thought that I would have begun teaching at a college, that I mm. would have had my own, uh, you know, leadership coaching business, um, that I would have been, a, you know, a consultant in the manufacturing world. I had not, that was not part of my path. And yet, because I was open to those other things, I I love what I do now, um, mm. but it's off of that path that my 20 year old self could never have been able to foresee. Yeah. Like, it sounds like you stopped along the way and really, and really had a chance to explore. And if you had stayed, you know, you're kind of like looking down the path in the direction, but allowing yourself some freedom within the path. That's Beautiful. right. And I, I think that that's something that I've had to work at over time. You know, that the 20 year old self of me just didn't, um, necessarily, um, I wasn't relaxed enough, um, confident enough, any of those things, um, to be able to foresee that. Uh, so that's something that's evolved. And I think as, as we, as, as, um, professionals, as we continue to grow and mature, it's so important to spend that time, um, in self-reflection, um, mm -hmm. to, to figure out what's working for us and what's not working and, and being okay with things that may not have been, you know, perfectly aligned 20 or 30 years ago. And now it all makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Challenging our thinking around, you know, are we looking too narrowly? You know, what are the other things? What are the other possibilities? And then like taking those moments along the way and checking right. in, right. Checking in. That's right. Um, so anything else that you would like to share with our listeners before we, you know, close this conversation? Um, no, I, I have to say that I am really enjoying what I'm doing right now in my career, and I'm so blessed to have had the experiences that I've had and, and the, the support that I've had, the network that I've had, and it continues to grow. And so I think that um, you know certain people are placed in our lives for a reason. I am so glad you and I connected. I feel like we've got so many synergies of things that um, um, are, are really exciting for both of us. And I, I really love being able to explore those, those types of uh, new relationships and, and new networks. So I'm looking forward to what's coming. Me too. Me too. And so if any of our listeners want to reach out to you, how would they get in touch with you? Uh, you can reach me at kwolfleadership, so K-W-O-L-F leadership at gmail.com. Uh, and you can also, uh, my website is Kim Wolf, I'm sorry, sorry, Kim Wolf Consulting. Dot com. Um, so you can reach me there as well. And then you can find me on LinkedIn as well under Kimberly Wolf. So yes, I, I would love to, to chat with people. And um, again, I, I like sharing experiences, um, both future experiences that we hope to have and uh, our past experiences that we have had. It, it's what makes us who we are today. And I, I love that. Well, I'm grateful to have you uh, in this conversation and for any of our listeners, uh, you are just an amazing role model uh, for leadership, female leadership, um, STEM leadership. And so uh, just very grateful. And I can't wait for us to uh, chat again. Thank you so much, Jackie.